It's time again for another episode of Scaring is Sharing. Yeah, you want some spooky news? You want some frightful views? You've come to the right place. That's right. <laughs> We're the Scare Boys. I am here today with Jeremy, the original Sasquatch Slim Rusk. And I am here with Brandy Joe Planbeck, the flaming scream queen himself. I know, on these cold, cold Michigan nights, you want some of that flame. I know, it's like, this is like the, the coldest night of the year for us right it is for jed out there i should say the season the winter season i don't think it's gotten this cold yet it is real cold out there so if you're one of our listeners out from california or someplace warm soak it in for us please yes please and if you never joined us before, Jeremy and I talk about like some spooky shit and horror stuff for the first half. And then we typically originally assign the other person a scary movie they've not seen before. We watch them, we come back, we talk about them. But sometimes when there's, the, we started in the pandemic when the theaters weren't around. And now that the movie theaters are back up and popping, they are banging in 2023. Yeah, they we are. We sometimes just go see a movie together that neither of us have seen. And we talk about that singular spooky. And it looks like 2023 is shaping up to be a year of singular spookies because there's so much coming out. So there's so many. So sometimes if I don't have a Thursday night off because of the theater, we'll go on a Friday or a Saturday. So our episodes may not be as on the ball as they usually we're usually weekly on Friday mornings, 6.30 a.m. Eastern time. But um, but yeah, it's it's uh, a little jacked up lately, but we'll always keep you in the loop. You know, yeah, we'll still get to you. We got you guys. <laughs> we'll Don't get worry. to you eventually. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get it out there. <laughs> but Jeremy, it's uh, it was good to see you earlier and give you a hug. You looked real sleek in all of your Adidas gear. Yep, went rocking my track pants, my yeah. sneakers. You know, you gotta yeah. you gotta coordinate the Adidas with Adidas. Yeah, and you know what? We had a, a our Infinity Pool episode just not even out a week ago has gone through the roof so any new listeners out there who may have popped in for the first time with infinity pool welcome come on in the water is warm you know yeah yeah (laughs) and what what a doozy of a movie to jump in uh jump in on so yeah it's just it it never ceases to amaze me the episodes that have a lot of listens like the night house which this last week also had plenty of listens to rack up listens (laughs) which surprises me other things you know that come out that you know like usually the new releases do get have more listens and downloads but like it's the ones that really take off that kind of surprise me Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so you just never never know but Jeremy, speaking of Infinity Pool, we have some teragrams this week. So let's hop into those. And yeah. let me just say, if you want to write in to us, scaringandsharing at gmail.com, or follow us on Instagram, scaringandsharing, slide into our DMs, please. Jeremy, kick us off with one. All right. Uh, first up, we got uh, my old buddy from uh, college, Kyle. Kyle. I'd love to see that he's writing in. And Kyle says, hey, gang. Heard the call out a few days back and wanted to confirm that I am listening. That's great (laughs) to know, Kyle. I love it. Yeah. And with my longer commute times now, I'm listening closer in time to release. 
but I also wanted to apprise you of a tabletop role-playing game I have found that you might be interested in. Brindlewood Bay is Murder, She Wrote meets Lovecraft. That sounds like a wild combo. Players take the role of a murder maven, an elderly woman that's a member of a local murder mystery book club. This all sounds like it could be the plot of a show at the Ringwald. So, you know, uh, the mavens get wrapped up in solving actual murders that are connected to a dark conspiracy of cultists attempting to summon a Lovecraftian horror. And then he's got a link to it online in case you want to check it out. Uh, and then he goes on to say, I think I've heard you mention D&D a couple of times. Yes, I do regularly play D&D. That's my jam. Uh, so I figured I'd share. All the best, Kyle. Immediate follow-up. Also, consider checking out Never After, the current season of Dimension 20. It's fairy tales plus horror in a D&D live play format. I think I'm going to have to look that up. Well, Jeremy, I'm glad that all gets your blood boiling because in, in a good way, because for me, it just um, not even a simmer. But yeah, that gets me hot and bothered. So hot uh, and bothered. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for those recommendations, Kyle. I will be checking it out. Yeah. And let's just say I I tried I've tried multiple times with the role playing games. OK, and this was in my days when I was like stoned and drinking. You would think if it's going to connect with me, it might be on one of those levels. And I've also tried in my sober days and it's just as much as I think it should work and should should get its little claws into me. There's just some some element that just doesn't might take. Well, I think I've, I don't know if I've said this before, but in my experience, too, it, it takes the right group. Um, and also stoned and drunk, being in altered states of mind, I I would say do not usually lend themselves to good uh, D&D sessions. You want uh, sober people <laughs> that are making rational uh, decisions. But uh, I think it takes the right kind of group because, you know, I, I play with my good friends I've known forever. Nick the Knife, uh, What Up? And uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. But I've played with other groups and I've been like, you know, I don't. You know, it's a very idiosyncratic game. So I think you okay. got to find the right combo because I've played with other groups of people and I'm like, this is not like my main group with my dudes. That's the that's the best time I have playing D&D. So, OK, well, Kyle, nevertheless, thank you for writing in and tickling Jeremy's testicles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> All right. I have one from Teacher Drew. Hell yeah. Who writes, greetings, my friends. Your last episode accompanied me on my Saturday morning run, and I have so much to share about Deadstream. I totally agree with friend of the podcast, Lauren. I liked it a lot. It was in my top 10 from last year. Please make sure to check it out. I watched Housebound last week because I enjoyed Megan so much, and I was enthralled. The protagonist was complex and interesting. The plot was a perfect mix of mystery, horror, and comedic elements. Not sure how I missed this one. You might have seen that Nocturnal Animals is one of my favorites on Letterboxd. It's beautiful, it's heartbreaking, it's mysterious, it's haunting. In my book, it's almost a perfect movie. Now, about Infinity Pool. Alas, I gave it a lonely one-star review. I struggled with trying to find a character to actually care about. I struggled with the plot holes. Mostly, I struggled with the preposterous actions of the protagonist. I guess I'll have to wait for Cronenberg's next possessor-type gem. What I appreciate about you two, over other movie podcasts, is you don't imply I'm ignorant or misguided for not liking a movie they like. 
Thanks for that. When you mentioned the new Exorcist release date, I audibly cheered. You might remember my great love for this movie, including my Christmas tradition, wrapping presents while watching it. How I conned my dad into taking me to see it, though I was ridiculously too young, as well as my drive-in movie experience. The screen being hit by lightning and burning to the ground during the showing. That alone is enough to celebrate, but it went next level when I heard it's being released on my birthday! Oh my god, that's great. You might have to do an FOP viewing. I totally fly to Michigan to join in that experience. Well, that's all for now. Stay happy, stay stay healthy, stay you. Love to you both, Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Teacher Drew! Teacher Drew, that would be super cool. Oh my god, I want to meet him so bad. I mean, I know we've had him on the show Mm -hmm. in a Zoom sense, but I want to like hug him, you know? I want to hug Teacher Drew. Yes, in person. I want to see him in the flesh, in the flesh dimension. Yes, and you know what? I'm so glad you watch Housebound. Anyone out there, if you've not seen Housebound, Jesus Christ, watch it. It is so good. There's a reason I picked it for my very first movie to share with Jeremy back in episode one. All the way back in episode one. Yep, and it is just so well-crafted. I love the acting. Talk about characters to root for. I just love the characters in it so much. The 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 Like the family, if you will, because that's what they are. They are a family, so not if you will. I mean, they are the family, mm-hmm. uh, but I love them all. I love it's sort of like that your, lead, your protagonist is sort of like, you know, a little rough around the edges, but she's that type that's like soft inside. You just have to get to it, and I love that. And it's okay that you didn't like Infinity Pool. That is not a movie that's going to resonate with everybody. No, not at all. That it, it, it's it's challenging waters. It is. <laughs> Keep going with that that water metaphor. Yep. And please go back and listen to our episode with Teacher Drew. Um, I'm going to look up and see what episode that is so I can just straight up tell you because I can't remember off the top of my head. But you have another telegram. Take us into it. I do. uh, Another uh, friend of the podcast, Al. Al. Uh, And friend of both of ours, really. Uh, Al says, hey, y'all, been enjoying some stuff from the back catalog, and I want to thank you all for the one cut of the dead recommendation. Uh, And that's a flick I haven't thought about in a minute since we watched it, but that's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, And he continues, I had given up during the first 15 minutes of the movie on my first viewing, not realizing what was coming next. Uh, What a delightful film. It's right in my wheelhouse of not so scary horror comedy. Anyway, it got me thinking of a question for the team. What's the movie you've never finished, but should probably revisit? Or if you don't turn off movies like I do, what movies have a weak opening, but are well worth sticking through for the payoff? Anyway, keep sharing and have a great week, Al. P.S. The Hollywood, the Halloweeny episode of Pete and Pete is a fun self-contained holiday episode and can be found on YouTube for those interested in that kind of thing. Thanks, Al. Yeah, he's always got the questions too. Oh, that I love that deep questions that off the top of my head are hard, like on the spot. <laughs> I have to like actually think about it. Well, I mean, one I mentioned last week is Skin and Rink. I feel like I have to give it a proper viewing, although I fear that I may not like it just as much. But there have been other movies, like when I watched um, Oculus the first time, was not crazy about it. Mm-hmm. And then the second time I watched it, coming down off acid, I loved it. And then when I watched it with you, I really liked it too. I mean, you know, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So um, Oculus is one that, but I did not finish it like that. Um, yeah. But Skin of a Rink, I definitely did not finish and 
and you know would like to i would say even though i watched the whole thing i think that most recent slumber party massacre i almost wrote off in the beginning not that the first scene is bad Mm -hmm. but i almost was like no and i'm so glad i stuck it out because it really has a payoff that you have to wait around a little bit to get to yeah exactly and i uh speaking of housebound i was gonna say that was an example not that it has like necessarily a weak start but the start of the movie it, it feels like something else entirely you don't know where it's going uh mm -hmm. so that's one i feel like stick it out because as it develops it gets better um I do have a couple that I know that I've never watched the whole movie, but I feel like I need to revisit because the world keeps like talking about how great these movies are. And I sort of wrote them off one being Jennifer's body. Oh, I don't care for that. I, uh, I, I've only seen like the opening of and never watched the whole thing. Cause I was like, I don't think this is for me. I'm just not interested in this, but it, it it's forever now popping up on people's lists of things of horror movies, you know, Blah, 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 whatever. Uh, and another one that might be a big admission from me being a big Kubrick fan, <laughs> but Eyes Wide Shut. Never watched the whole thing. I've never watched it at all. <clears throat> I started it. I remember trying to start it, I think, a couple of times over the years and just being like, this is kind of boring. Uh, and I've never and it's like three hours long. So I've never watched the whole thing. But I don't know, everyone. I know when it came out, it wasn't as well received uh, but over the years, it's kind of gotten reappraised and everyone's like, oh, it's really great, but never got around to it yet. I don't know if my friend Ben is out there listening, but he loves Nicole Kidman and loves that movie. And I just, uh, I just don't want to, I just don't want to. <laughs> so yeah so th those come to mind immediately uh I, I do like that he mentioned one cut of the dead because like yeah that is a movie if you only watch the first 15 minutes uh you're not gonna get uh the rest of it like where it goes so you definitely got to stick that one out yeah but it's best that you don't know too much like it's exactly a, again like some of these other movies that payoff that comes is best from not knowing although yep. saying there's a payoff already is a little bit of not a spoiler but like a little like telling it's so much fun when you know absolutely nothing mm -hmm. but um i i watched that movie in entirety because of it's only a podcast they talked about it and i was like i would have never in a million years watched that movie yeah like never when, and there's just sometimes when someone like just is like yes 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 that you're like okay fine okay i'm gonna check this out Yep. And sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. Have you ever walked out of the movies? No, I don't think I ever have. I think I'm too much of a miser that I'm like, I spent money on this. I'm going to stick it out no matter how bad it is. So, yeah, I Joe has walked out of movies that we've gone to a few times. Like, he'll just be like, I'm I'm going to go to starbucks or whatever mm -hmm. like i know there's that movie i think it's me you and everyone we know not a horror film mm -hmm. but sort of um i don't know like a hipstery sort of indie film mm -hmm. and he was just like not having it i remember he walked out of that there's a couple more but i can't remember what they are for the most part if i'm at the movies no i take that back or maybe i fell asleep um what is that movie with like um kate blanchett the aviator Oh, yeah. That's with Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. Yep. I was so bored. I fell asleep a little and then I walked out because it was so long and I was like, no. So that's, I think, maybe the one movie I've walked out of. Yeah, I don't. I think I can. I remember considering it when I saw the Hulk 
the uh Ooh. the ang lee directed one with eric oh. banna uh-huh. yeah from years ago i remember being like this is bad <laughs> and that was like i was a kid too like a teenager when that came out so it's like taste probably wasn't the greatest anyway but still um or the fantastic four movie i remember that being real bad and considered I think I stuck it out though. I didn't, I did watch the whole thing. Yeah. I don't, I'm real quick to turn something off if I'm watching it and I'm streaming it. I don't yeah. know if it's like the fact of I bought a ticket for it. I might as well stick it out. Yep. Or if it's like, well, I'm in the movie theater. This is fun. Like, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, I'm going to stick it out so I can say I had that experience. Mm-hmm. But when I'm streaming something, if I'm like sometimes five or 10 minutes in and I'm just like, no, and I just will. Just go on to something else. Now, I have fallen asleep in many movies in the movie theater. So <laughs> uh, that I have done. And that's regardless of whether I like the movie or not. Because, uh, uh, yeah, that'll that'll happen. Back when they used to actually do midnight screenings, and I tried to see everything at, like, you know, midnight release. Uh, and as you get a little bit older, that's not as feasible anymore. And then you start falling asleep during movies. So, yeah, yeah. That's that's old age for you, kids. Yeah, it's creeping in, kids. That's right. Well, um, yeah, I want to hear about other people's movie. I love that. That's a great question. Thank you, Al. Of course, like no great, wonderful answers here, but um, something I will marinate with, mm-hmm. marinate on, whatever. Marinate, I'm gonna marinate, marinate in. in. The question. In the question. And in case you want to go back and listen to it, Teacher Drew was on episode 60 and we did the Shutter films. Not yeah. Shutter like the TV, but Shutter. Shutter. Like the original camera. and the remake. Like a camera shutter. Yeah. So and, go and check it out. It and fun. I think I think both of those are popped up on streaming somewhere recently. Uh, perhaps. Yeah. Uh so Jeremy, do you know what dropped this week on Shutter? Speaking of. No, what dropped? In Search of Darkness Part 3! Oh, you're right! Because I started watching part of it. Oh my god, I have watched... But you haven't even finished the other ones, have you? No, I did. Oh, okay. This one is, like, so up your alley. Yeah. Because it's I... all the rando shit that yeah, you it, didn't it's... make it on the first two. <laughs> it's the weird shit. That, yeah, and I'm already, like, cooked. Like, they've already... I've only watched, like, the first 40 minutes, but they've already had, like, Lloyd Kaufman from Trauma talk at, like, length, and I'm like, yep, yep, all the stuff I know. Um, although, I do want to say that I'd never heard of the movie The Hand with Michael Caine. I know. And I like I immediately want to see it. I I have to seek that out. Yeah. And and who's that hot guy that I love so much from Slipknot? Who's in it? Oh, Corey Taylor. Oh my God. I love Corey Taylor. And he is he is he's like a scholar of horror movies. Every time he's on there talking, it's like he knows everything about all of these movies. Like that's awesome. Yeah, I added so many to my... I've started to use my watch list on Letterboxd more because my little streaming site that I use, I sometimes put things as favorites there, but, like, each device ha- like doesn't save over oh, those favorites. Sure. So sometimes I forget. So I've started to, like, smartly use my Letterboxd watch list. And I have a slew of movies that have popped up on there, either that they talked about directly or indirectly, mm-hmm. like... Butcher Baker, Nightmare Maker, which I've always wanted to see and I always forget about. I've heard it's crazy. It looks so fucking crazy. Next of Kin, which seems very interesting. Extro, which I remember the box up from at the VHS store, but I always thought it was a boy and not like like a young man and not like a little boy that's mm-hmm. like the kid on the cover. 
House on Sorority Row, which for some reason I've tried to watch, but didn't make it all the way through. But when they get to that in, in Search of Darkness 3, it looks fucking great. And I have mm-hmm. to watch it. Um, Vice Squad, which I know was Terror in the Isles we talked about. Night Shadows, which is also Mutant, I think, which looks fucking crazy. The Initiation, which also mm-hmm. I feel like I've tried to watch, but it looked so great. Blood Rage, which looks like a Thanksgiving movie we have to watch. It is. Blood Diner, which I know I've heard is batshit crazy. Yes, I've heard that's like so bad it's good. It's like sort of living in that weird B-movie territory. Yeah, but hearing like the director, I know she's talked on other iterations of it. Um, of, uh, in Search of Darkness. <laughs> in Search of Darkness, thank you. And, um, and she seems so cool. Like I'm like, yeah. I gotta watch her movie. She's fucking great. The Fourth Man, which looks so interesting. Another VHS cover I remember very vividly as a kid. And Serpent and the Rainbow, which I've never seen. Oh, and that's a great one. Uh, I was also going to throw in, I was having a blast seeing them talk about The Children, which is one I've always wanted to check out. Oh, yeah. Um, But never have. But it's like out there. I see it living on streaming sites. And I was like, I need to just watch this thing. I know it's absurd, but it looks like so much fun. Yeah, I've seen it. It is nuts. Not so. But yeah, Mm -hmm. what I mean, it's five and a half, five hours and 40 minutes. But oh, my God, it is just a joy. I've been watching it when I go to bed. I'm like, I'll watch a little bit. And like two hours later, I'm like, okay, I should really go to bed. (laughs) It's like it's so long, but like you don't hate it for being long. It's just like, no, you just want it to keep going. Yeah, forever and ever and ever. It's so Mm -hmm. wonderful. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, I also was reading this article about Infinity Pool from the New York Times. And have you heard that they have been talking about creating like a new rating system? No. And they were trying to convince the ratings like the MPAA or whatever to use it on Infinity Pool for the initial launch of it. Like because NC-17 sort of limits you know, the people who will be able to see it and the theaters that will take it up and unrated sort of does the same thing. Yeah. And so like NC-17, there's only been one movie in the last two years that was rated NC-17, which was Blonde, that Marilyn Monroe movie. Isn't that weird? That is weird. I didn't even know that, but they talked about that. And since it came out in 1990, I think, NC-17. And since then, 92 movies have been rated NC-17. But that's you know, in 30 some years, it's like, there should be a middle ground. Just, they brought NC-17 around because X just made it sound like a porn. Yep. And now they're like, well, let's add, maybe there needs to be one more that like Infinity Pool, because like really with a couple more little things, which it would sound very minimal. It doesn't sound like there was a scene of him fucking or sucking himself. I think that was a lie told to me that I'm holding on to because I want that. Yep. (laughs) I think but you, I think you did see his like a penis ejaculate. Yes, that was one of the things that was cut. Yeah. Yep. But I mean, you still see cum, okay? Like yep. dripping. Yes, <laughs> you do. You do. So I think that it, it, it isn't it funny that it's like that's like the last frontier in movie, right? It, like they just don't want us in America to see. Well, we can see penises. You can't see an erect penis. They just don't want it in a movie. And that's nope. causing them to think, maybe we should create a new rating because of this. Uh, so, just... I mean, the whole ratings thing is so jacked. Like, yep. I remember they also talk about it in this article. Um, 
when Blue Valentine came out, that movie with Michelle Williams, who is a fucking goddess. I love her so much. And there's a scene of her getting oral sex. Oh, and they yeah, rated yeah, yeah. NC-17 because of that. And they fought it because they're like, what the fuck? Because yeah. seriously, that is so jacked up. No, it is. It's it's the weirdest stuff. And well, and the ratings board is just so arbitrary. Like there was a great documentary about the uh, uh, the rating. It, what is it? It's called This Movie Is Not Yet Rated, I believe. Oh, I need to watch that. Uh, and I remember now I, I've only seen it once and it was many years ago. Um, so who knows if it's really that great, but I remembered enjoying it and finding it very informative, but they did talk about how the MPAA, the ratings board, it's all, nobody knows who they are because they get to stay like anonymous unless they choose to, you know, reveal themselves. A lot of past members have over the years, but, um, and they're not in, they're not all industry insiders. Some of them are just like random people. Uh, and it's entirely, you know, idiosyncratic to their personal taste. Like it's them arguing like, well, I'm offended by that sort of thing. So I want to mm-hmm. give it this rating. You know, it, there's a lot of uh, ebb and flow to it, too. And that's why over the years you'll see like, man, it seems like all these real like gritty movies, like shouldn't these be rated R? A lot of them are getting like PG 13s and slipping by that way. And then other times it's, you see plenty of stuff where you're like, why is everything getting rated R lately? Like some of this doesn't even seem that extreme because it has to do with whoever's sitting on that board watching the yeah, movies it's so dumb i i just think it's so jacked but if yeah. you want to read that new york times article it is called infinity pool and the battle for an r rating and it is a really good article you may have to like pay or you mm. may get so many free articles that's yeah. the annoying thing about the new york times but um but it's it's a really really fascinating article and yeah i just i i I, I wish the rating system was different. I mean, I'm glad we're not living in the times of the Hayes Code or whatever yeah. it's called. Well, you right? just couldn't, yeah, the Hayes Code, you couldn't show anything. Yeah. Oh my God. That must have been so horrible. But at the time, you probably didn't know much better. So that's why I'm like, what? In 20 years, are they going to look back and be like, can you imagine living in the day and age when the ratings were R and PG 13 and shit? But yep. what's the new one going to be called? That's what I want to know. What should it be called? Yeah. What is it? I, I think it should be, uh, uh, a for adult. A for adult, yeah. I was going to say AB, like a blood type. It's going to be O positive is the next uh, rating. It's just, yeah, it's a very bizarre. I watched one other movie this week besides the, the ongoing In Search of Darkness yeah. 3. What's I watched that? Gaslight for the first time. Oh, I saw that it's the it's only a podcast guys covered yes. it. Um, yep, that's their new... Um, movies from the crypt they're doing they're talking about gaslighting and they have like a psychologist or a doctor maybe mm-hmm. that's one of the same thing with her but she's really cool and she comes on and she talks about um about gaslighting because that's like she sort of is an expert in it and i understand I've never, that m- yeah. movie created the phrase right it's that's not where it necessarily came from. the movie the movie's based on a play okay the and play yeah. then it was turned into another movie that this movie is sort of like but yes the mm-hmm. the same property is where the term comes from. And yeah. I've never seen the movie. I've never seen an Ingrid Bergman movie before. Mm, okay. Isn't that crazy? I just mm-hmm. like, she's like That's everything. Wild. I've never seen Casablanca. It sounds like it'd be really boring, but um, I know it's one of the greatest movies ever made or whatever <laughs> to some ca- people. I was with you for a long time. Actually, my wife got me to watch it because she loves that movie. And, and did you I, love it? And I loved it. I really okay. enjoyed it. So okay, I've spent well, years not seeing it, but I loved it when I saw it. So I need to see that and Citizen Kane. Those are two. Of those, mm-hmm. they're so amazing. You gotta watch them. Type. Yes, yeah. Kane's a 
It's a good movie. I mean, I feel like it means a lot to movie nerds like me and because we studied the hell out of it in film school. So I can like take away so much like mm-hmm. of the, the the craft, if you will, because it's like oh, Orson, Orson Welles did this and this and that was amazing. And that was the first time anybody did this in a movie and blah, blah, blah. So um, but I can understand when people would not be into it. It's not like s- super accessible to the mainstream, I would say anymore. So. Interesting. But yeah, I got Gaslight. If you've not watched it, check it out. It is so fucking good. Like talk cool. about a fantastic film and Angela Lansbury and like one of her mm-hmm. first movie roles, if not her first movie role. I've always wanted to see it. Oh, so good. I got ah. got to put it on the watch list. Oh, yeah. It is well worth the watch and just oh, it just makes you angry. Mm-hmm. Just want to punch the TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, did you watch anything this week? I did. I finally got to check out Violent Night because it's on mm. Peacock right now with David you Harbour. Watched it in February as, or January? Santa Claus. Uh, Weirdo. You know what? I've always got time for David Harbour. So <laughs> bring oh, him me in. Too. Me too. Bring, bring that daddy over here. Oh my God. Um, so hot. I thought it was great. I loved it. I had a blast with that movie. Okay. So it, it, it is it is definitely just die hard with Santa Claus. Uh, but it works. David Harbour's performance is awesome. Uh, it's very violent, like gory. I was going to so say, does it live up to the name? It does. So that kind of edges it closer to our territory where I'm like, it's horror adjacent for sure. Just the level of violence in it. So uh, I thought it was a blast. So I'm probably going to throw that in there with Krampus as my yearly... Uh, viewings around Christmas time. Nice. Um, I know I keep going back to it, but on In Search of Darkness 3, there is one of the talking heads is a guy from that um, Queer for Fear or whatever that uh, yeah. Shutter series is called that I still haven't watched past the first episode, but mm-hmm. he is wearing the Jess sweater from Black Christmas with that almost looks like two hands sort of like grabbing the boobs. And Uh I Googled it. I found it. There is a place that sells them, Uh but they only have like a three X left. And I think I'm going to buy it because a big sweater. You can't go wrong with that. Yeah, just sporting like a Black Christmas look. I mean, I I just got it. I saw him wearing it. I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, is he wearing Yes, sweater from Black Christmas. I, I freaked out, and I That's had a awesome. Oh, so yeah, I had to throw that out since we're talking about Christmas. Yeah, Black Black Christmas. That was something I didn't get to watch this past Christmas. I didn't either. I might just watch it. I don't even care. Oh, it's a it's good okay. movie. It doesn't yeah. matter if it's not Christmas. Yeah, no, I can watch that any time of the year. Yeah, that's for a great, sure. great movie. I heard one other little tidbit that I didn't know, because I, I talked about Linda Blair being in the um, in Scream last week mm-hmm. as a cameo. I know I was talking about stunt casting, and I incorrectly said a lot of... I talked about cameos, and that's not stunt casting. I don't think, is it? Is a cameo stunt casting? I don't know. Anyway, I thought I, want- I second guessed when I heard it back. I was like, I don't think I'm saying this right, which is like so typical for me <laughs> to just not know what the fuck I'm saying. Um, because that that that's definitely me. But I saw this little video that friend of the podcast Chris sent me that said, aside from Linda Blair being in Scream, if you oh. do a close-up, what? No, you're right. A ca- cameos can be a form of stunt casting. Okay. Because it says stunt casting. This is the Wikipedia. Stunt casting is a use of a gimmick 
or publicity stunt to fill a role in television series, film, or theater production. The casting itself can range broadly from a non-actor celebrity, a glorified cameo appearance, or real-life relatives portraying fictional family members. Okay. Okay, then, yeah. Then I I, I was right. I knew yeah. I was right. You're right. Because <laughs> it, like, it definitely is stunt casting in cases where like the cameo is like, I can't think of anything specific, but it's like if you had like a Dracula character and then had Christopher Lee in that role, you know, because he's famous for playing Dracula, you know, that would be like stunt like casting. Willem Dafoe. And I, that may have been yeah. where that, I think that's where that conversation That's what we were started. talking about. That's where it yeah. started was since he was already mm-hmm. famous for playing Dracula, having him in, you know, or Nosferatu in this Nosferatu totally. movie. Cool. Yeah. So. And Linda Blair and Scream, if you zoom up on her, I guess, and they did show it, she's wearing little crucifix earrings, which I never knew before. And that is fucking amazing. Now I'm never going to unsee. Love that. I know. I know. I know. You wouldn't know unless someone like paused it and said, what earrings are she wearing? Zoom that fucking shit up. (laughs) Little crosses. (laughs) That's awesome. Anything else to talk about? Uh, oh, just uh, also part of my watching. Uh, just last night, in fact, I did a rewatch of American Movie, another um. uh, another great flick we've covered in a past episode. Um, and yeah, every time I watch that, it's just it's so inspiring. Like they're uh, Mark Borshatz, uh in that movie, his dedication mm-hmm. to just living his dream of making his horror movies is uh, so inspiring. Uh, just every time it, it it's it's great yeah that is definitely a fun little surprising film if you've not seen it check it out because it is unique and mm-hmm. it's unique so good and if you love movies i feel like yes. you'll love that movie because it just it makes you re- think about as cheesy as it is it makes you think about like why you love movies so yeah and that like the passion that comes with certain people and films yeah and just yeah. art art in general creatives in general I'm glad you shared it with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I did too. And I'm glad I've revisited it because it was like, oh, I haven't watched this in a while. I'm going to throw this on. Oh man, this movie is just great. It makes me feel good watching it. So, Oh, it is. It's good. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's get to our film this week that the world shared with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that the, 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 uh, Nicole Kidman gave to us. <laughs> AMC. <laughs> we come to this place for magic. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, there's a new one of those guys apparently being filmed, and I can't wait because I'll, I'll watch this one a thousand times over, but I'm ready mm-hmm. for an updated version. I think it'll be so I, I was also just offhandedly, I mentioned it to Sarah before leaving to come to the movies, and I was just like, that's been playing for like years, right? Because it feels like it. She's like, no, it's only been around for like a year or whatever. And I'm like, really? Like, I, I think feel it's like... been a little longer, but yeah, it has I don't to, think but I years. feel like. I feel like I've been watching it for like 10 years, like half my, half my life I've been watching her talk about AMC. <laughs> it's not been that long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we went to see Knock at the Cabin, directed by M. Night Shyamalan. And the tagline on Letterboxd is, save your family or save humanity. Make the choice. And the description is, while vac- vacationing at a remote while vacationing at a remote cabin, a young girl and her parents are taken hostage by four armed strangers who demand that the family make an unthinkable choice to avert the apocalypse. To avert. I say avert. To avert the apocalypse. <laughs> <I> avert. With- <laughs> With limited access to the outside world, the family must decide what they believe before all is lost. Ooh, yeah. 
And I have to say, yes, directed by M. Night Shyamalan, but also based on a book by Paul Tremblay called The Cabinet at the End of the World, because that is omitted from pretty much everything out in the world. You don't see that anywhere. It's like, yep. by M. Night Shyamalan and this person and this person, but nowhere based on the book by him, which is such a travesty. Yep. Hopefully his profile will raise now and yes, uh, they will have to start saying that. That is what I think. So tell me what you thought, Jeremy. You knew... So- you knew just what you'd seen in the trailers prior to the, going in here, right? You didn't read the yeah. book? Yep, never read the book and just saw the trailers. And this was definitely an ad campaign where I think the trailers were very obtuse and didn't really tell you what was going on too much other than, like, I think you got a clip of the, like, uh, bits of the conversation in the cabin, but never the any more context to it. Okay. Uh, and random shots of craziness happening. Um, but... Yeah, so I went into this, like, I I was really focused on, like, just earlier this morning, I read an article about M. Night Shyamalan's body of work, uh, where they ranked his movies, and then I was reading through it, and I was like, oh, man, I've seen more of his movies than I realize I did. I've almost seen all of them. Um, And for better or for worse, M. Night Shyamalan, as a filmmaker, he's got some really good movies. Uh, I'd say a couple of really good movies. and then there's more than a few that just don't work for some reason. I wouldn't, I don't know necessarily. I'm going to call them like bad movies, but eh, something just misfired. Something less successful, less successful multiple ways. Um, So I was really, did they rank this in that list? They did. Uh, And this is, I can't remember where it was at, but it's in the higher end. Uh, And so with all that being said, I, came into this really just thinking about M. Night Shyamalan movies and his work. Uh, and I have to say that this one impressed me in those terms, thinking about uh, where he's been, what he's been doing. I think his last movie was old, which I watched and did mm-hmm. not. Uh, it had a interesting setup and then just quickly went off the rails and continued to go off the rails uh, into its you know big twist. Uh, and I feel like this movie was mostly working for me uh, because he just kind of told a story, uh, let the story unfold in front of us. Yeah. I, I read the book. I loved the book. I like purchased it. So my husband could re- read it. Cause I listened to the audiobook. I bought it for another friend of mine, Jake, so he could read it. I don't think either one of them loved it. I think mm-hmm. Joe was sort of like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but like it really moved me uh, like <laughs> quite a bit. And so I was very excited for the movie. Um, didn't realize it was coming out because it wasn't called the same thing. And yeah. so when I sort of was like, that looks like, and then, you know, went like, it did is. Some digging, and I'm like, it is. And I was so excited. What I really love about it is that it's a gay couple at the heart of it. And mm-hmm. it's a horror movie and it's a mainstream movie. Like that's always something that I'm going to love. And they're like, you know, their parents to, you know, a child that they adopted. I love that little girl who plays when mm-hmm. Kristen Kui, I, I may be pronouncing her last name wrong, but she is so fucking adorable. Yeah. I just loved her. I thought Jonathan Groff as Eric was fine. I was less impressed with his husband, Andrew played by Ben Aldridge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still just like, I mean, I couldn't help, but just have the feels for being able to watch a gay couple be the protagonists fighting for their family like i just was like yes 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 love that 
Yeah. You definitely have spoilery things in regards to the book that I don't want to talk about till later mm-hmm. until people can get out of here who are going to see it or want to read the book or what the fuck ever. Yeah. Because um, I do really want to get into some of that because that sort of paints my feelings as well. Um, but I thought like, and I especially, I thought the camera work was so fucking good. I was, th- I thought the same thing. I, I, I'm sitting here like, when's the last time... Uh, I was watching an M night Shyamalan movie and I was just like really taken with the craft of it. Yeah. Uh, Like he really was commanding the camera and uh, yeah, like he was using the medium, which is something so often in mainstream movies that directors just kind of fall back on like static shot. That's going to get filled up with a bunch of CGI shit. So we don't really have to be that clever with the actual cinematography and camera work, but he was really, Um, you're only in this one location, but he was making it interesting for the most part. And he was making it interesting to look at by. Yeah. And like that first scene when, when is meeting um, Leonard and they just sit there talking to each other. And there's just these close-ups of their faces looking right at the camera, like looking at each other. Mm -hmm. And I just loved that. That is just like how the book is set up. Like so much of this is like, I mean, I read the book years ago, but I can remember it vividly in regards to how much of this is very accurate, which Mm -hmm. again, sort of pisses me off on how they've marketed it. Because yes, you could say directed by M. Night Shyamalan all day long. But the fact that it's like the screenplay is written by three people based on a book that this movie, it's not like they took it and did a loosely based on like, it is that book with some, mm-hmm. m- some big changes, but nothing like they're very specific changes, but it just, it's so annoying that they're giving such big credit to three screenwriters when it's not their story. Yeah. Like, that is such bullshit. Like, it really, really pisses me off, I gotta say. We're gonna start a letter-writing campaign. <laughs> so, I I hope that the lack of publicity for it creates some publicity and therefore gets mm-hmm. him a little more recognition. Because it truly, like, I mean, most, there's so many movies that come out that I've never heard of as books, and they're, like, based on the bestseller by, like, mm-hmm. and there's none of that here. But I think it, even in tiny print somewhere, it should be on, like, all these marketing, as opposed to screenwritten by three people, including M. Night Shyamalan, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. I, did, I, I was going to say, I could just be talking out of my ass, because I actually don't know. Uh, but I feel like the, the standard... Uh, the thing that happens whenever a, a big movie comes out that's based on a book is book sales increase. Like, I think that's a pretty solid uh, occurrence uh, when, you know, a big mainstream movie comes out and people find out, wait, that's based on a book. Let's go buy that book now. So I imagine if you check on Amazon that the sales are going to spike for uh, the book. Yeah. And I, I, I believe, but again, might be talking out of my ass here. I don't know if they renamed the book so that people weren't confused and it said oh, yeah. knock on the cabin, or if it still says cabin at the end of the world, you know, now a now major motion picture yeah. called knock at the cabin, which yep. I can get cabin at the end of the world is a little bit of a long title. It's mm-hmm. much more appropriate. I think the knock at the cabin Mm-hmm. Because they knock at the cabin like once. Like, sure, that does happen. That is a thing in the movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's an event that happens. <laughs> but but it's not. I love Cabin at the End of the World so much better. And there's been longer titles. So, yeah, I think it can I mean, still work. Calling it Knock at the Cabin, they very just as well could have called it Walk to the Cabin 
or you know uh, yeah stand people by the in cabin, the cabin. <laughs> yeah the people the people in the cabin you know any of those would have been just as effective yeah i actually really the four strangers who show up at the cabin and sort of you know change these people's worlds i liked them more than i liked the gay couple i, I love the idea of the gay couple and everything but like i cared for those characters more and we get mm -hmm. more backstory on the couple so like i that was interesting because i almost want to get to know the fathers more Mm -hmm. But it, that's weird to say, seeing as how we saw more of their relationship and their past lives than the strangers. But somehow yeah. I was more intrigued and invested in the four strangers. Yeah. And I got to say, good Lord, just give him the crown. Dave Batista has proved himself, I think, to be the greatest wrestler turned actor. Uh, just <laughs> as far as like actual acting goes like good lord he could have just gone into a full-on i mean he had guardians of the galaxy he was playing drax in those movies he could have just done action movies forever like most wrestlers do when they become actors but no he's like oh, i want to do something where i have an emotional arc and like range uh and he's part of the hook with the strangers he's just so good as leonard that you're like holy cow i really feel for this guy yeah, and he's he gets the daddy crown as well. Like yeah, there were that. two daddies in this movie, and I didn't care about either of them, but Dave Batista. He just shows up and he out daddies both of them. Oh my god, does he ever? And I really loved the other the 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 two females. I loved Adrian, who was Abby Quinn, and Sabrina, mm -hmm. who's Nikki Amuka Bird. Loved the two of them. Yeah. Loved, loved, loved them. I just found them just so fascinating. So compelling so compelling and then rupert grant is fine <laughs> yeah you, he was he he nailed his boston accent as best he could i suppose <laughs> you know kudos to him and i am very glad i mean i don't 100 percent know this but i imagine because ben aldridge was just in spoiler alert and i think he was sort of the the co-lead along with jim parsons which is about a gay couple as well so i believe he is a homosexual um and i appreciate that they cast two gay men to play mm -hmm. those parts because when i first heard about this movie and i knew rupert grant was in i thought he was going to be one of them and i was a little annoyed by that and then mm -hmm. i found oh they actually cast gay guys which i know we've had this conversation the representation all that not that a straight yeah. person can't play gay and a gay person can't play straight but just you're you're doing something that isn't done very much not mm -hmm. only do you have a gay protagonist, but you have two and their dads. Like, mm -hmm. let's cast some actual gay guys in these roles. And I'm glad that they did that. Yeah, I, I am too. And I do want to say that I think I have a little bit of a crush on Jonathan Gruff because I don't know. I just love him. Oh, he's it, it, so like, cute. Loved him in Mindhunter. Uh, I just, I'll watch him in anything. He's just great. Yeah, he really is. He just, he, you just, you just feel for him, you know? Just those, mm -hmm. those pretty eyes and just yeah, that's what it actor. is. It's, it's, it's what eyes. it is. Yeah, yeah, it's the eyes. It's his face. He just draws me in, uh, and I want to hear his stories. <laughs> All right, so I think let's get spoilery. Okay. Yeah, let's okay. do it. So, can I talk about the changes in the book? Like, are you okay with that? Yeah, I'd I'd love to hear. Okay, that. so I'm, if you're still around, if you haven't read the book and you want to read the book, go away. <laughs> go away. Go get go out. 
I like the book better for the reasons that it has versus what the movie did. So in the book, and I cannot remember the logistics of how it happens, but towards the end, I don't remember who fires the gun, but when is shot and killed. Oh, whoa. so the daughter gets killed. Uh-huh. And the last moment is just the, the, the two dads remain. Mm-hmm. Everyone else has died. I don't remember if the last guy kills himself. Like he does in the movie. But the two go out into the world. They're like walking to try to find the truck. And around them, the sky is rumbling and turning purple and all this craziness. And mm-hmm. they just sort of like are looking at each other like, well, we have each other. And it's just sort of this ambiguous kind of mm-hmm. thing. Like, because after their child dies, they're kind of like, well, fuck. Mm-hmm. You know, like we don't want to kill it. Like, I think they're just sort of like confused by everything more so than they have been, but mm-hmm. they're just sort of holding on to each other. Cause that's all they can do. And as the world may possibly be crumbling around them, they're like, well, let's just hold on to each other. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. Plus I felt it was a little more ambiguous in, in my mind and it's been years, but in like the TV broadcasts and stuff, they mention it in the movie that perhaps they've somehow rigged the TV to be showing these things that mm-hmm. are just, you know, pre-programmed, pre-programmed. They're not actually real. That's not actually really happening. Mm-hmm. But as you get to the end of the film, you realize these things are really happening. They go yeah, out in the world and showing you it is happening. It is happening. Yep. And I I love the idea of it all being a little more ambiguous, that they're so far Mm -hmm. away from the rest of humanity that they can't know for sure. And maybe it's just a bad storm outside. They don't see how, you know, know, planes crashing and things like that. But I I love that idea that they don't know necessarily, that it's just a little bit up in the air. I did wonder that too. I'm like, I wonder if the book was more ambiguous because I feel like that was a direction they could have taken, um, but decided to, I think, spoon feed it a little more to the audience, give them a uh, definitive, like, yes, it is happening. So here you go. So, but I don't know if I could have taken the girl dying. In, I know, and I'm sure that's the movie. Why they're probably like, well, we know how people reacted to Hereditary, so yeah, like, like. <laughs> And, and that girl wasn't a super cute little girl. <laughs> the the ending was already like getting me there. Like I was just on the cusp of being pretty emotional in the theater. Like it got me there. So I don't know if I could have dealt with it. If then <laughs> they're like, and now she's dead. Like, I think that would have been too much for me. I also believe in the book that Eric has more motivation to believe what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I know there's like the one vision he has in the movie but I feel like in the book, there's more like he is continually having these sort of visions. And I love that. It's like, he has a concussion. Like it's mm-hmm. possible again, all that is just yep. his head playing tricks on him as opposed to like him really, it really experiencing happening. something. Yeah. But I feel there's a little bit more of that in the book. I just, I, I didn't as much and probably knowing how the book was didn't as much care for in the movie of him being like, kill me, kill me. And the guy's like, okay, no, I mean, that's not how it happened. But like, yeah, I, but I did really love the last moment with the radio playing. I like yeah. that. Yes. I, I felt like the movie definitely, I mean, leans into, and I don't know compared to the book necessarily, but a lot about spirituality and like a higher power. And I feel like mm-hmm. that movie sort of speaks to that. Like maybe there is a higher power, but who knows? Maybe it's just, coincidence that this song is playing on the radio Mm -hmm. but like the world's falling apart most likely that song has not just happened to be playing on the radio yeah yeah but maybe it was a cd who knows but um which i'm curious do you have a higher power yes 
Okay. Is yes. it God? Or I mean, you don't have to tell me if you don't want. Yeah, to. I mean, it is. You know, uh, whatever. I I do think there is a bigger. Uh, I always just say the force, like Star Wars. Okay. I'm such a nerd. I like that's that. how I put it together. Oh, but yeah. I do. I do feel like whatever God is, that's our interpretation of whatever this binding thing is to the universe. Because I feel like coincidence and synchronicity, all these things. There's just so much uh, mind blowing stuff out there. Yeah, when I went to rehab, because I've always been agnostic, uh, leaning on atheist. Mm-hmm. And I, when I went to rehab back in 2018, almost five years ago, oh, uh, yeah. it was like my second or third day there. And sort of our house leader, I want to say his name was Chuck. He was real gruff. And he pulls out the Bible and starts reading from it. And I got so um, combative with him about not being into god or religious and no no mm-hmm. no and then after we sort of had a fight i i remember later i said i'm, I'm gonna talk to him like because i just i mean you really start to examine why you do the things you do and, and things like that in rehab plus i really was like i want to have a better life i want to be clean i'm willing to take any guidance that someone puts in front of me that says this may help you stay sober and have a better mm-hmm. life so like I remember sitting down with him and being like, I'm sorry that I, you know, that I sort of came at you about religion. And this is why, because, you know, so much had to do with my sexuality and how I feel religion is on that. But it sort of led me to the the idea that whatever I wanted my higher power to be, it doesn't have to be God. It doesn't have to be Jesus. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be religion. And as I came to find out from, um, I always quote this in lots of my my re- recovery meetings from the show Mom with Anna Ferris and yeah. Alice, Alice and Janney. They talk about in that, because it's all about recovery, that they're like, your higher power can be Oprah. It just has to be something stronger than you and bigger than you, which Oprah <laughs> is that for almost everybody. Yes, for most of it. It's Oprah. Yeah, but my higher power has changed so much. At first, it was like the like the the group of like aa was like the higher power because all those people are stronger than me Mm -hmm. and then it sort of became when i was in therapy sort of became like a shield like in my mind like something that could i don't know guard against bad Mm -hmm. thoughts negative energy all of that and like now it sort of is like the idea of love to me as a higher power yeah but I still struggle with like when I say higher power or God, like I still like in my head, I still have like I still don't know a hundred percent what it is to me, and I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I just like watching this movie. Movie made me think a little bit about that because I think there is a little bit of that with the couple. Like I think Eric is a little more like, hey, I think my higher power is showing me like what I need to do here and what we need to do and what's best. And mm-hmm. I think that that Andrew is sort of you know less buying into that that notion and isn't having the same sort of visions and feelings. But I think that last moment sort of Mm -hmm. goes back to maybe, maybe believing in something higher than, than that. And also like the struggles, like with the one um, with Sabrina in the movie who talks about, she was never religious. She didn't go to church. There's just lots of that talk of like spirituality and, and And I I could get into that. I can get into that without it. Like, totally hitting me over the head it sort of gave lots of options and lots of different viewpoints on spirituality yeah this was just like broadly spiritual uh which i think is great um because it and then it strips away any divisions uh, whatever specific you know thing you believe in um you can kind of step away from how precious you know the 
being precious about that thing and look at, oh, but all of us share this uh, idea of there are things bigger than us. So, yeah. And I'm grateful to just be able to, not that I do it very often and I don't do it as much as I should, but turning things over, as we say in recovery, like, just turn it over. When it gets to be too much, be like, hey, take it out of my hand. Jesus, take the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever sort of sense you want to, to phrase it, yeah. but like that your life can just be better to just, to just do that, to just like let it. Mm -hmm. like you're not in control of the world. And I mean, that's so apparent. Like the world is going to do what the world's going to do. And you can only control how you react to it a lot of the time. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't know why this movie made me get all deep into that. But but I, I do like the film. I feel it's a little heavy handed. And it, I wish it was a little more ambiguous than it was. And I didn't mm -hmm. like the changes from the book. But I loved everything else that sort of really was the book without fucking it up too much. Yeah. And I think it's an achievement for uh, Mr. Shyamalan to not rely on the twist. Like, I feel like this yeah. movie didn't have a big, you know, most of his movies you're thinking about, Oh, he's going to have a scene where he pulls the rug out from under you. And it's a twist. And it seemed to be getting so contrived, like the direction yeah. he was going for a long time with those. So that the fact that this is just a story that is told, uh, you know, you're not waiting for anything no big uh, gotcha moment really happens and he's not hitchcock though okay yeah <laughs> like we don't need your little cameos all the yeah, time yeah okay? you don't need your goofy one. little cameos <laughs> um but yeah this was some uh, i think the last like Shyamalan movie chronologically i really enjoyed was like split uh and i didn't realize that was however many years ago that was it's been a nice chunk of time now since that came out so yeah it'll be interesting to see how this is received so far on letterboxd it's sort of across like kind of middle ground so yeah middle ground i saw rotten tomatoes it's at like 60 something so that's like respectable but yeah not it's great. not a total flop in that, those yeah. regards but i'll be inter interested to see how the numbers go yeah at the box office so but i enjoyed it enough so all right well anything else to say no, I think that covers it. All right. Well, out of five homemade weaponry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how I'm many do you give it? After discussing it, too, I feel even better about it uh, than before. So I'm going three and a half. That is exactly what I'm going to give it, Jeremy. Wow. I know. There were times when I wanted to go three watching it. Yep. Times I wanted to go four. But yes. ultimately landed on three and a half. I had the same thing. I, I was like, this is a solid three. And then, I don't know, some point in the middle of the movie, I was like, this might be a four, actually. And then back yeah. down to three. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but still, it is a scare of approval. Scare of approval right Fucking there. Right. Yeah, it is. Awesome. So write in, talk to us. We love it. We love it. We love it. We love it. We love hearing from you, our friends of the podcast. And um, hit us up, scaringandsharing at gmail.com, you little maniacs. Do it, little maniacs! <laughs> <laughs> and Jeremy, as always, so much fun to hang out with you in a night at the theater and then again on Zoom recording. I, I love this like marathon session of watching the movie, <laughs> then running home to record the episode to get it out. We'll get used to it. <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep doing it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks. And um, remember, you've got the body. I've got the brain.
It's in the trees. It's coming. <laughs> you took mine. I love it. All right. And keep watching and talking about scary movies because scaring is sharing. Bye. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.